It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Saturday show, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Saturday morning. My name is Jay Catch, joined as always by Michelle Bodkin. Michelle, how are you? We're doing good. That's good. Yeah. It's football season. It is football season. Week two of the Utah prep season is in the books. Uh, I was out at East High School last night calling Sky Ridge and East, and I, I, every time I go to East High School, I'm reminded they have one of the better like settings in terms of just a stadium look. Obviously, you've been to Rice Cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks about over the Salt Lake Valley. Yeah. Well, if you want a high school and it has that same kind of a look, like Judge Memorial, East High, they have those same, like, kind of, you look back across the valley. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, they're in the same general yeah. vicinity. You can throw a stone from any one of them and, and hit the <laughs> other. Right so there, yeah. they're all right there. Yeah, so it was fun to be out there last night. Uh, we got a lot of football to talk about ahead on today. Should we even have some Utah Jazz news? The schedule is out. What? Yeah, we know when the Jazz are going to be playing this season. So if you are uh, one of those people who's trying to figure out if you're going to buy an antenna or you're going to go with the streaming service that they've <laughs> announced, well, now you know when the games are going to happen. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Scott Gerard is going to join us from Utah State Scrimmage up in Logan. Uh, They're up at Maverick Stadium today. So he's going to join us approximately 11 o'clock. Uh, to talk about the Aggies, get his insight on that. Because very interesting year ahead for Utah State. Mm-hmm. It feels like almost like a prove-it year in a way for Blake Anderson. Just so much turnover. I don't know if you saw this, Michelle. I think it was 10 of their 11 defensive starters either graduated or transferred after last season. Wow. So they've had... I, I know that I know there, there's been some issues and <laughs> some rumblings and... General not great feelings about Utah State. <laughs> yeah, so they've got they've got plenty to work on on their end. So we'll get into that, and obviously we'll just have some fun along the way. We got technical fouls, some of our staples here on the show, so we'll get to all that. But uh, let's start off this week as we typically do. Let's get everybody's highlighted. We got, by the way, we got Christian producing for us today. What's up, Christian? Not much. You Happy a, to be here. Yeah, you got a highlight of the week. Yeah. So uh, still be married after like what are we three weeks in now? Uh a month. Month we in a okay. month. Hey. Yes. The first month is actually very important. <laughs> it was fun. It's been great Good. so far. All yeah. Right. And uh so Wednesday morning, uh my wife and I took our dog and we went on a little hike down oh, here. I saw uh nice. by the Capitol building there's like yeah, a little yeah. park. Oh yeah, that's it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah. There's a little trail that goes up by mm-hmm. a little creek and stuff and our dog went and walked in the water. Super fun. Great to get out, go on a little hike. So that was probably the highlight of, of our week. I like that. Michelle? That's a pretty area. Yeah. I, I agree. That's a great place to be. Uh, nothing too terribly interesting happened, but it wasn't. It, it was a good week, mm-hmm. I would say. Well, most of my highlights come through my kids, as you guys have realized on the show. <laughs> uh, my daughter is doing uh, gymnastics and, and cheer. She got her back walkover this week, finally. Oh, she's been okay. like, And she's been like... Like Working dying to get it, it get it Aww. done, so she finally accomplished that this week, and was like, she was just ecstatic about it. So that's uh, a big deal. It is for for, oh. for young cheerleaders. That's like a really really big step. You know, that was not something I ever picked up. So she's, she's claps she, for her. She's already more <laughs> athletic than I ever was. Let's just put it that way. No, it was it was pretty cool to see her do that. She also started. Uh, she's in first grade. She had first like, her first couple Aww. days of school this week, and she came over for the first day because she was a full day now. Oh, you okay? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> We're good. We're good. <laughs> that sounds like that hurt. Uh, but she comes home after the first day. I'm like, okay, so you, how, how was school? She's like, that was long. <laughs> oh, get used to it, baby uh, girl. Exactly. I was like, well, 
here's kind of the here's what it's gonna be. So this, kinda, is, this is what it's gonna be for the rest of your life until you retire. Yeah, it was, just, it was funny because she'd been doing say like half day preschool and half yeah. day kindergarten. Uh-huh. And she comes home at like three thirty. I'm like, how was the first day of school? She's like, it was fun, but it was long. It was long. <laughs> So, yeah, I just could I couldn't help but laugh. I'm like, yeah, well, well, welcome, yeah. Yeah. welcome to life. So <laughs> kind of funny, maybe maybe chuckle. All right, uh, well, let's actually get into the meat and potatoes portion of today's uh, program. Let's talk some college football. We've got uh, we're under two weeks to Utah. Mm-hmm. We are two weeks away from BYU. Uh, we are one week away from Week Zero games, Michelle. Woo! So it's coming fast. Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. (laughs) All right, Michelle. So as I mentioned, we are 12 days away from Utah kicking off against Florida, 14 days away from BYU and Sam Houston State. It's also 14 days for uh, Utah State and Iowa Mm -hmm. going out to Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes. Uh, We do have one team, if I'm not mistaken, next week. Christian, you know this. Is Southern Utah playing next week or are they two weeks out? I'm not certain. Let okay. me check Google. Yeah, well, I just <laughs> got to Google it. Somebody told me that Southern Utah was playing next week. I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure that they play next week. I thought they were two weeks out themselves. So, oh, they oh, so they play Thursday. So they're they're 12 days away. So they're they play, okay. they play the Arizona State. Same time as Utah. Yeah. So uh, exciting to know that that's on firmly on the horizon. Here, right. And it's coming pretty quick. And I, I wanted to start off, Michelle. There's been a lot when it comes to Utah about the quarterback situation. We discussed that last <laughs> week. Uh Brandon Rose looks like he's gonna be out. There's still the Kyle Whittingham said at Pac twelve media day it's gonna come down to the wire on Cam Rising in terms of him getting cleared. So where where do you stand right now on everything with Utah? Are you feeling like they're they're tracking well considering the quarterback situation? I yeah, I think overall they're tracking well. Uh it's uh, the the one thing they have going for them is I I think they have enough returning talent that they they can manage without camerizing if they have to. Okay. Uh for a game or two. I now if it starts getting into like the whole season then then we're you know it's i think it's going to get brutal but like a game or two especially out of the gate i think you know they can rely on the running back room a little bit i it sounds like they have some good pass catchers that maybe can help alleviate and make things a little bit easier for whoever steps in okay uh but i mean obviously you want your best players out there no matter what and cam, cam is their best player at quarterback right now that's I, that's just fact <laughs> Uh, yeah, you'd be hard pressed to argue against that. Let's just put it that way. Right, right. So that's the that's the nice part about it is that yeah, I'm with you. I think that they've got the talent to hold up against. And I got nothing against Florida, but they just look like they're very much a team that is not. They're a team in flux. Sure, that's a good way to say. They're it. a team in flux. Uh, I I think they certainly have the talent if it comes together. But that's kind of the problem and the issue I'm seeing, at least right now, and Mm -hmm. at least that's kind of how it feels like it's being reported, is there's just a lot of stuff up in the air. They're having a lot of issues. They're having a lot of problems. And then you have to travel out west, and then you have to deal with the elevation, which I... Please, I don't want to get into arguments about humidity versus elevation. Yeah. Like the the bottom line is they're both hard elements to deal with sure. when you're not used to them. And so, you know, that that's something that Florida is going to have to contend with. And and it's also a matter of, you know, the devil you don't know. SEC country has never traveled out west. They don't know. They don't really know about rice cycles. And yes, it's not. It's not as big as a lot of the venues that they're used to and all that kind of stuff, but pound for pound, like it's it's a pretty ruckus place and they they bring it. So it's just it's kind of it's just kind of a perfect storm, I think. Of I don't know how well it's going to go for them. And then you have like the Utah defense that's kind of come out and said like they're very motivated to get off to a much quicker, better start sure. yeah. against this Florida team because 
they looked bad against them last year. Like, there's no two ways about it. I think it was like, what, 49 missed tackles or 48 missed tackles last year um, Mm -hmm. in that first game, which is just unheard of. That was almost double what Utah usually has in a bad game. So it's, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. I think Utah can manage it as long as they play a really good game and everybody picks up some of the slack. If if slack has to be picked up, if slack doesn't have to be picked up, then I think it's also probably a very different story. Well, sure, and I, I would agree with all of that. The other thing about this is this game's shaping up to be what I call a Kyle Whittingham special. Yeah. Where his defense goes out, and trust me, that defense for Utah looks absolutely loaded. Like mm-hmm. I'm just talking bodies, returning talent, added talent. The guys like Miles Battle coming in here. They, they've got all the pieces, it feels like. Where they go out there, and Kyle says, hey, guys, shut them down. Yeah. And then he turns to the offense, and if it is Bryson Barnes, mm-hmm. he turns to him and says, Bryson, don't turn the ball over. Right. Pick up the first downs when you need to. And then you have the Seals running backs behind you, Glover, Jaquindon Jackson, Mikai Bernard, yeah. uh, Chris Curry. Feed them the rock. Yeah, you use them how you see fit, which means a lot. <laughs> yeah, so and that just that that screams to me if they if they are going to have to absorb not playing with Cam Rising for that game or at least the maybe first however many in the first part of the season, mm-hmm. it feels like this goes back to kind of Kyle Winningham's whole mo as a head coach. Defense shuts down the opponents, and you do enough to win football games. Because mm-hmm. I, I think you and I are in agreement on this, Michelle. What do people care about most in football? Their team having more points than the other team at the end of the day. Right. Doesn't it doesn't have to be beautiful, especially early in the season. Like everybody's kind of getting back into sure. the fill in the flow of it. Especially and, with transfer portal in effect now. There's yes. so many bodies changing teams now. Yes. So, you know, I if it's a little more slug festy than than we're used to it being, um, after the last few years with how the offense has operated, I think they'll be fine. Like mm-hmm. I, I really think they'll be fine. And the other thing about it too. I know a lot of people are up in arms about oh, Bryson Barnes like starting. <laughs> the fact of the matter is we've never seen him come out when the game plan has been specifically for him and the prep work has sure. been all about him. Yeah. Like even that Washington State game, he found out 20 minutes before. I think he got a few reps through the week just in case, like a well, few extra ones, you, but you, not You do that because he's a backup quarterback. But but yeah. not but not in in the sense that he 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 was prepared like he was going to Correct. be the starter. Yeah. They thought Cam was going to start that game. Trust me, Petros Papadakis won't let it <clears throat> die. Uh, no, no. He, he's still angry and yelling into a microphone somewhere about that. But uh, I'll just say it. <laughs> he will never let that one go. But uh, it's it's I, I like I'm curious to see. And look, here's the thing. Bryson is not going to look like Cam Rising. He's not. No, he's like, not the same player. He's not the same player. He doesn't have the same skill set, but I, I think the fact that Utah trusts him, there has to be a reason why they trust him. And I don't get to see, you know, what goes on in practice. Uh, sure, shoot, most of those fans don't get to see what's going on in practice. So there, there's a reason why there's confidence in him. Do I think some of the guys behind him have a higher ceiling? Yeah. But if they're not ready yet, if they're not in a place where they can be trusted or to, physically be ready to play in the ex- case of Brandon Rose. Exactly. Then you know I, why why roll why roll the dice on something that you're not sure is going to work. Go with the sure thing, and I think Bryson is the sure thing. Uh, and that that right there, I think is is kind of the point to be made is that you just you trust what you know because mm-hmm. the thing with Cam is he's he's an electric football player. Bryson has come in as you mentioned in multiple spots that Rose Bowl, the game against Washington State. When he's been forced into action, he's responded well. Mm-hmm. And I also really like your point. I hadn't even really considered what you just said is that this is going to be the first time, if it comes to this, mm-hmm. like there's still, there is still a chance Cam could get cleared. Trust me, that, that could still happen. But it could come to it where the, oh, Andy Logan says, okay, Bryson, you're the guy. We're formulating a game plan around you. What will that do for that young man? It could really unlock something for him. It, it, I think it would help him out a little bit because he's been put into some really, really bad situations. And yeah. for the most part, has handled it well. That last Rose Bowl maybe was not the best, but like at some point, it's going to catch up with you, right? Sure. Like, yeah. You, 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 you know? can't walk into every single yeah. game and go and throw a touchdown pass. Was it Was it the first play? Through the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like the first or second play S- when he came book. in. Yeah. Like it's it just doesn't always happen that way. It just doesn't, especially again when, when you're throwing something someone in cold yeah. and they're not 
they're not being practiced like they're going to be the starter. Like it's just at some point it does catch up to you and it caught up to them in that last Rose Bowl. Uh, but but like I said, I like I'm willing to entertain, you know, what what does he look like mm-hmm. when they've catered to and planned around him and his skill sets rather sure. than it's been about Cam, but Bryson's had to come in for Cam. Uh, I I think I think people will will be a little more pleasantly surprised. Maybe not have their minds blown. You know, I'm not saying or suggesting that, mm-hmm. but I I think I think when when you work around you know the actual person and what they can do, it shows better. It just does. Well, and that that's the interesting part about how it's ultimately all going to shake out. Because I want to flip the conversation and go down to Provo, not New York, like one Big 12 player thought BYU was in. Did you see that video, by the way? So, I saw something floating around, but someone really thought BYU was in New York. So they did, uh, was that from, I think it was from Big 12 Media Day, they did, like different players. Like, do you, know where Pro, do you know where BYU's located? And the coaches, to their credit, most of the coaches they had on there were like Provo, Utah, Provo, yeah. Utah. Uh, one kid, um, Lokahi, he's a he's a Polynesian kid from Hawaii who plays for UCF. No, he's like Salt Lake City. I don't like cities in Utah. He starts. He's like, ah, and they, they tell him it's in Provo. He's like, ah, bleep! <laughs> I should have <laughs> known that. But there was one dude. I don't remember which team it was. He's like, where's BYU? Is it in New York? <laughs> Another player thought it was. A city called Brigham Young. Oh, yeah. He's like, is it is it Brigham Young? They're like, no, that's the name of the school. He's like, oh. Well, I mean, in fairness, we do have a Brigham, Utah, too. Yeah, Brigham, but hey, born and we, have, we have Brigham City's finest right here. Yes. Christian Esparza. Oh, I did not know that. How funny. <laughs> born and raised. Box yep. Elder B over there. Hey, hey. Yeah, no, no. In fair, in fairness, we do have a Brigham City. Yeah. Uh, but wrong. Yeah, it, was, it just it made me chuckle that video because it was most of them got at Provo, Utah. One kid was like, I don't know. It was they were it was really funny video. Yeah, to watch it in the oh, break or something. That and, makes me so sad. So, so and the, but that brings me kind of the conversation now we're having. But it flips over to the defense for BYU. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the defense for BYU was not very good a year ago. You look at the metrics; they were second to last in team sacks. The only team worse than them in sacks last year was the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's not a company yeah, you want to keep. You're 100. <laughs> you were 130th out of 131 teams in team sacks a year ago. Your pass efficient pass efficiency rate, like everything, was 90th or worse in all the defensive metrics last year for BYU. It just <sighs> fell. Off, it fell off a cliff. Yeah, it did. And it that, did. It necessitated a change. Obviously, Jay Hill comes in, and I've got to say, what I've seen from Jay Hill so far is is it very encouraging. But a big playmaker for BYU's defense went mm-hmm. down due to injury this week. Micah Harper mm-hmm. uh, tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's the reporting out there. And unfortunate for him because it's the second time he's he's torn his ACL oh. in his career. He did that at the tail end of the 2020 season, the pandemic-stricken year. And then that cost him all of 2021. Yeah. He came back to play last year and really became a, a nice playmaker for this BYU defense. But it's kind of going back to the point where it's on defense for BYU where they need to respond and they need to have some playmakers Losing a guy of this caliber is yeah. absolutely going to put a damper on that. They're going to have to find a way to go around that. And I'm curious, similar to what we were talking about with, with Utah, is how is Jay Hill going to adapt with this? Because mm-hmm. he's been building this, and it's been their safety tandem. We've been out there, I think, as a media group. I think it's about six times we've been able to see about 20 to 25 minutes worth of practice. So mm-hmm. we've seen some of it. But when we've seen the number one safeties, it was Michael Harper and Malik Moore. Like, they have never not, like... Been number one. Yeah. So losing a guy like this, especially on a defense that it's going to rely, as you know, the Utah defense, it's a single high safety look. It's just mm-hmm. kind of what Kyle Whittingham's hallmark is. BYU, trust me, I go watch their defense. I'm like, okay, it's, it's Utah. Like that, <laughs> just, it's, it's a lot of the same elements. And, yeah. it's, and for good reason. Right. Kalani Satake, Jay Hill, grew up working under, in the coaching business working for Kyle Whittingham. They know what he does. This is going to affect BYU because... I'm not sure they have a like-for-like replacement on the roster right mm-hmm. now for Michael Harper because he was a guy that, you know, uh, in that Utah defense, guys like Cole Bishop, they're a safety, but they walk up into that box often mm-hmm. to help with run support. Michael Harper's not as big as a Cole Bishop, but he was that guy. Mm-hmm. He would kind of walk up into the box, and he's, an, he's he is a fearless tackler. Okay. He just mm-hmm. puts his head in there, and he just he gets he after goes it. for it. Yeah. 
that's the issue now that I'm wondering how BYU now adjusts for that. They have two weeks, obviously, to get ready for this. Right. This injury actually happened last Saturday right. during their scrimmage. So they've had, okay, they'll have three weeks in theory to get ready for it. But it kind of goes back to the point we were just talking about. You need to make adjustments, and how will you adjust to this? Well, and and we've talked about this before, too. The one thing that BYU cannot have happen is injuries to key players. And sure. just had one happen. Yeah, and that's, that's the one. It's the only one so far. So relatively so, clean. So far, yeah. yes. But, like, I, I'm sure, like, I, I don't know for sure, but I yeah. would have to imagine that Kalani, A-Rod, and Jay are all going, ugh. Stay healthy, like, guys. Stay yeah, healthy, guys. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, we've had one. Like, uh-huh. let, let's not do this a couple more times. Like, come on, guys. Uh-huh. You know, because they've seen what happens early on in a move sure. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I I don't I don't doubt that BYU's ones and maybe some of their twos can go with anyone in the Big 12. But if you start getting into your twos and threes and even your fours, which is what happened to Utah in mm-hmm. the first couple of years— it's just different. And that's, that's the thing. And I've got to say, the other thing about this is BYU's training camp is one of the most physical I can remember in recent memory. Jay Hill has brought the whole mentality of, the, okay, this defense, we've got to hit people. Mm-hmm. Like, we just actually have to practice it. Well, and and Utah just barely had, had a little resurgent, sure. resurgence of that, too, because of what happened last year early yeah. in the season. You've got to, you, you've you've got got to, to practice. It. You've got to practice it. Otherwise, you're going to whiff. And you and you run risks of injury. In Utah's case, Brandon Rose. In this case, yeah, yep. Michael Harper goes down. But that's the thing about this is to BYU, you're right. They, they've done a pretty diligent – they've put a diligent effort into trying to go out and establish extra depth. Uh, Aaron Roderick said uh, to the media earlier this week, he thinks that offensively, he says, we upgraded every position this this offseason. Mm-hmm. And what he meant by that, I think, is, yes, the ones for BYU traditionally can go toe-to-toe. Totally. Totally. The issue We've is when, seen it. This is when you drop down to the, you mentioned the twos and the threes. That's where the talent disparity starts to, to manifest itself. And he said that we've upgraded every position, and that that is encouraging. So that means that the transfer portal work that they did, they mm-hmm. brought in. I think BYU the final tally last I saw of newcomers to the BYU football program was fifty eight this year, right? On a hundred and twenty three man roster, like almost half the roster was turned over. But they expect that talent to step up. I'm just worried in the in on the defensive side of things with this Michael Harper deal mm-hmm. is. Jay Hill's talked about as a, we're going to have to find answers uh, this season when it comes to our roster and find guys who are playmakers. Losing a guy like this is one of those playmakers right. I, I would have put like near the top of the list, like Michael Harper, playmaker. Mm-hmm. Now you have to adjust to that. That's the big question because you can't, you mentioned, you can't absorb too many of these hits. Mm-hmm. And And to your point, I think, you know, BYU's offense really has not been the issue. So, yeah, it it is more about they probably did focus their attention on who can we bring in that's going to be a better two for us? Who can we bring Mm -hmm. in that's going to be a better three for us? Uh, But the defense, as you mentioned earlier, was a mess last year. And so, I mean, you kind of blew it up and you're starting over Mm -hmm. again. And that kind of means you're really focused on getting some decent ones in and maybe the twos and the threes aren't quite where they need to be yet. That's going to be, you know, a year or two process probably to get to get that up where it needs to be. But so, yeah, like when when you start having an injury like that, um, I, I'm sh- I'm sure Jake was over there clenching his teeth, going, "Ugh, <laughs> like, like, okay, <laughs> we we can absorb the one, mm-hmm. right? Like you you can absorb one or two." You start having injuries across the board at key places or entire uh, position groups wiped out. Correct. Yikes. And that and that's and that's the interesting thing about this because both these programs, as you mentioned, they want to avoid the slow starts when it comes to missed tackles and that type of stuff by getting in and tackling. And trust me, I've, what I've seen with my own eyes at BYU is there is a lot more hitting going mm-hmm. on just in general. And it may not be full-on tackling to the ground, but we're talking like thud practices, yeah. just getting physical. I, I've, I haven't i have seen that in a couple of years for BYU. And Utah's doing the same thing because I think that they realize, hey, 
we started slow last year because we didn't hit as much. And that's the balance you're going to have to strike here as these programs is getting a an, fine line, getting enough of that where the guys don't go out there. And what did you say? It was like somewhere around 50 missed tackles. I, it, it was a yeah, lot. It was Trust a me, lot. It, it was, it was crazy. It was, and was very atypical. It was crazy. Yeah. Been what, very, yeah. Like, I don't think that's ever happened before. Correct. And so that, that's <laughs> going to be the part about this is, okay, where does the line kind of sit with regards to how you balance that? And, I don't think there's a perfect answer for it. You're mm-hmm. always going to run the risk of injury. That's right. just, it's a violent game. Guys are hitting each other with armor on. Injuries happen. Yeah. Can you avoid as many as possible? That's going to be the key. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those interesting things, and obviously both of these programs have got uh, to be careful with that. Uh, we're going to check in at Utah State with Scott Gerard at 11 o'clock. I'm interested to get kind of his take on uh, what's going on with the Aggies as they kind of rebuild things up there in Logan. Uh, but we'll go, uh, we're going to switch over and talk a little Utah Jazz coming up next. The NBA schedule is out. Uh, if you want to know where the Jazz are playing, you can find out, and we'll talk about uh, some of the highlights of that coming up next right here. On the Saturday show. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday Show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. This is the Saturday Show. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, along for the ride on the Saturday morning. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. All right, Michelle, it is August. That means it's NBA basketball time. No, it's not. It's, no. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's a little early, it feels like. It, it is. But, but it's coming fast. They want, speaking of the NBA, so badly to be like the NFL, where literally it dominates headlines year-round. It yeah. doesn't matter what month, what day, there's NFL headlines out there. And the NBA has endeavored to do that. And the NBA has become that. Trust me. They, mm-hmm. they stay relevant all year long. The one month it feels like that they do kind of fall off the radar is August. So what did they do? They adjusted and announced the NBA schedule in August. Yay! <laughs> it's it's kind of funny how they how everything shakes out. But uh, biggest things uh, from the Jazz schedule announcement. I'm just pulling this up. I got Ben Anderson, who obviously is our Jazz insider, does a great mm-hmm. job with this, and he had a great breakdown of it. Uh, biggest note about the Jazz. I don't know if you saw this, Michelle. Sunday home games for the Jazz in the regular season for the first time since 2001. Wow, really? It's uh-huh. been that long. So the way it was explained is that the NBA required all teams, including the Jazz, to submit four possible Sunday home game dates in their schedules. Like, Because obviously these venues, speaking like the Delta Center and these venues, they're scheduling concerts. they got monster trucks coming through, Disney on ice. <laughs> you know, like the whole Yeah, thing. yeah. And they, so they had to submit four dates that they could potentially play a Sunday home games. It was just an NBA-mandated deal. Like, mm-hmm. this is not singling out Utah. Trust yeah. me. The social media reaction was, Calm down. Calm down, yes. Just take a breath. It's fine. So they submitted four <laughs> dates. Three of them were picked up. So the Jazz will play three Sunday home games, and they have not played a Sunday regular season home game since 2001. They've played playoff home games, obviously. Okay, that must have been what I was thinking Yes, they, they, and there, there's a famous thing about Larry Miller. When they had those Sunday home games, he wouldn't go to the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually took, was it Gene Wojcikowski during the finals one time? I think it might have been one of the preeminent. And they actually went for a drive up, like, Muir Lake. <laughs> So kind of funny how how that shakes out. But that's kind of the big thing is that there's going to be a little different. I'm actually okay with it if it can help balance the schedule, meaning that you don't have as many Mm back-to-backs. Now, there are 13 back-to-backs on the schedule for the Jazz. The NBA's tried to get away from these athletes playing too much and too little in a way. Right. We had David Locke on with DJ PK yesterday talking about this, and David said, all right, and the question was asked essentially, okay, how do you guarantee load management's not going to affect the NBA to to a to a negative thing? David said this. He's like, okay, let's look in the case of Zion Williamson, for example, oft injured. When he's on the court, phenomenal basketball player. Right. But the problem is he plays every other game. So David's like, if you're a fan, he said he used this as an example. If you want to see Zion Williamson play in person, and New Orleans, uh, New Orleans. Pelicans, not Hornets, uh, are coming to Salt Lake City. He said, make sure you check that schedule and look and see if the uh, Pelicans are playing the day before, maybe even the day before that, 
And that should tell you, like, okay, maybe this is the game that... Or if it's on the front end of a back-to-back, he's likely to play that. He's not going to play the back end. Mm-hmm. So he said, that's kind of the, the give and take as an NBA fan. If you want to see these stars... you got to time it right. Hope that the schedule works out yeah. for you. That, I mean, that's a bummer. That is a bummer that it's getting to be oh, like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's... That's what these guys are getting paid for is to be, is to be seen. <laughs> sure. And, okay, here's the thing. I will give all the credit to guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, Devin Booker's this way as well, who I they kind of have an old school mentality. They understand that the, there are families and kids in particular who they may get to go to one game a year. Mm-hmm. Like their family can afford to go to one NBA game and they've got their favorite player. And they're going to go buy that ticket. They're going to spend all the money on concessions, traveling to the game, all that stuff. And if that guy doesn't play, how big of a bummer is that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big deal. So that's so I appreciate guys like LeBron. Like, and if they're injured, they're injured. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's be very clear about if If you are legitimately injured, uh-huh. like, by all means, sit out. Like, you have no business being out there. But, like, this... Day on, day off, crap. No. <laughs> Load management. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's going to be the interesting part about how this season shakes out for the NBA. Because I do think the NBA, like, I, this is just my my personal suspicion, is that Adam Silver and the NBA uh, main office there in New York, they'd love nothing more than for their stars to play every single night because it brings the attention to the league that they, they so much desire. Mm-hmm. College football games of just random teams – Routinely, I mean, routinely, in terms of TV numbers, outdo high-level NBA games. They and that, that obviously the NBA they're looking at new media rights still coming up. And, yeah. Oh boy, more media rights. Oh yeah, it's great. Let me tell you. Hey, <laughs> is, is this one to be as scrutinized as the Pac-12 one? Highly doubt it, but that's okay. Uh, but but the thing is, is it. You want your stars playing games. The nice part is the Jazz schedule, just bringing it closer to home, uh, feels like it's got some decent uh, opportunities to see those stars playing against the Jazz. The other thing is that new in-season tournament is also taking place. Mm-hmm. I am, trust me, I am genuinely curious about how that's going to be received by NBA fans. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you know, they need to do something because, like, I think I've said it before, I think the NBA is very soft um, and it's it's when I look and watch clips uh-huh. of like 80s and 90s basketball versus what I watch on TV <laughs> now like no <laughs> like, like it's not a good product yeah. it's not uh, so they gotta they gotta do something to you know fix that and get that on the right track while while being conscious and you know making sure that guys aren't getting hurt and some of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I mean, you have to be as careful as you possibly can, especially with how much you're paying them. Uh, sure. You, you don't want guys hurt all the time. But, like, at the same time, they need to be playing. And 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 the product needs to be good. And it's not good when you have stars sitting out or, or missing some of these big, big events that you, you set up. Like, nobody wants to watch a big event and not see, like, LeBron James playing, you know? And that's that's the thing about this. I wonder how stars, LeBron James, of that ilk, like those, we're talking the top level guys, because what it is is this in season tournament. It features four. Um, they calling them. Uh, what are they doing? They're they're just like they're sort of like group play type mm-hmm. of deal, like a World Cup type format. And there are going to be eight teams out of that. They're going to make a single elimination tournament with the final down in Las Vegas. There is money attached to this because it's really the only way you're going to incentivize guys to play this. Right. Five hundred grand on, for each member of the team that wins it. Sign me up. For some guys like LeBron, who's making <laughs> right, he doesn't million. he doesn't care about but fifty grand or five hundred grand. If LeBron's able to go, he'll go. He just he loves playing hoop. That's yeah. why he's that's the thing about this. But like for other guys, end of the bench guys, five hundred thousand dollars added onto their salaries a pretty nice addition because some of these guys are making one five veteran minimum type deals like. You can add five hundred grand to your thing. You're going to be okay with that. I'm just interested to see how it's received, both yeah, by the players and then how fans look at it. Are they going to be like, "All right, this is cute" or and what 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 not? Or are they going to actually be like, "Oh, okay, this is actually kind of a fun diversion" because this is happening early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Jazz. Let's see, 
Uh, tournament play, they play the Grizzlies on November 10th in Memphis. Then they play Portland November 14th. Uh, Suns at home November 17th. And then the Lakers on November 21st. Those are their four group play games. After that, then the tournament kicks off down in Las Vegas. Uh, the final four teams, excuse me, will play a tournament in the neutral site in Vegas beginning December 7th. And the winning team wins your 500 grand. I'm just interested in how this is going to, if it's going to increase the attention on the NBA, like in terms of drawing eyeballs to it, because that's right in the height of the college and mm-hmm. NFL seasons. Like, and the NBA's fighting for any and all eyeballs they can get at that point. I'm just interested to see, okay, are the players going to buy into this? If they buy into it, it'll change how it's perceived by the fans. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing. I think if there's no player buy-in, if guys don't care to play, like guys that matter don't yeah. care to play, then I don't think fans are going to care. Like. Like, I know I certainly won't watch it. Like, so well, you're or even, I mean, like, obviously I'll pay attention uh-huh. to it and, and know some things because it's my job. But, but like, am I going to sit and watch that on top of, like, the college football and and even the college basketball that's starting that I need to be paying attention to? No. And and that's the tough part about this. The Jazz did pick up, let's see, they got one, two, three, four, five, six. So you got eight uh, national TV games including NBA TV. Uh, so you have one ESPN game, one TNT that are scheduled right now. Those are a home game on Friday, November 17th against Phoenix. That's part of that uh, playing tournament. And then the Lakers game, the final group play game, is going to be on TNT. So you're going to be on a national stage, and the hope is that the Jazz are playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, the, with the Phoenix Suns, you got Bradley Bill, KD, and Devin Booker. Hopefully they're all rolling. The Lakers have Anthony Davis, who they just signed to a, a – a, Contract extension, Michelle, that's going to average $62.5 million annually. <laughs> Just crazy I numbers. Know. Hopefully he's going. Hopefully LeBron's going. Hopefully you have these stars playing because that's that's what you need to build this into something. Mm-hmm. If it's not – if you're – yeah, if the, if the Greg Popoviches of the world are throwing out, hey, uh, we got anybody in the G League that wants to come up and play in this, if that's the mentality they take, yeah. it's going to flounder. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. It's not going to do well. People aren't going to be interested. It'll get minimal coverage yes, uh, because there's other more important things going mm-hmm. on where the actual stars are playing. Yeah. Uh, so the Jazz season is going to start officially Wednesday, October 25th against the Sacramento Kings. They will uh, be stay at home for the second game with the Clippers coming into town. Uh, by the way, another shift. Uh, one other thing I should mention here with the Jazz schedule. Friday and Saturday games with some, some exceptions, though, uh, home games in particular. 7.30 starts, not 7 o'clock starts. Hmm. Just a little bit of an adjustment on the schedule that way as well. So some changes coming. Well, I, we'll, we'll see if they work out. Sure. And <laughs> here's the thing about the NBA season. 82 games is a lot of games. Oh, my gosh. It's so many games. And I have so been, I've been a proponent of cutting down the regular season. Okay, and here's the, here's the reason I say that is if you're going to have the Kawhi Leonard's the Paul Georges, I don't know, go down the list of those guys who sit, routinely sit out for load management cases. Mm-hmm. They're not going to play 82 games. Heck, if they're not even going to play 60 games, yeah, cut the regular season down. Now, that's never going to happen. I, I, I wholeheartedly acknowledge that because, trust me, NBA owners are in the business of making money. Yeah. And losing 10 home games from 80 to 60 – no. Yeah, that's a big chunk of change. That ain't going to fly. You're going to have to make up the, the shortfall somewhere if that's going to happen. I'm just hopeful. And the, the other thing is the NBA did implement this year that you have to play, uh, what was it? Christian, you may know the answer to this. What's what's the, they have to play 60 games to be considered for postseason awards? I think it was 65. 65. Okay, so mm. that's the other thing about this. If, if you want to be, because trust me, you guys, a lot of you guys are about legacy. And, you, and Kawhi Leonard wants to be considered one of the all-time. Like, all these guys want to be a great, they want to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, the way you do that is get the individual awards. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do like the fact that in the new CBA, you have to play a minimum set number of games to be considered for those awards. Like that, I think that's good. I think that's good. Like, cause yeah, if you're if you're sitting on the bench every other game, like, no, you play forty one of the eighty two, right? Yeah. yeah, no, you don't. You don't get to pad pad yourself and then still get a <laughs> no. The only thing that worries me uh-huh. is if we're going to see instances of like players starting, and you know they'll play like. Well, 15 seconds, then check out of the game. And that that could be a thing. When though. they announced this, with that, it was part of the new CBAs. This is written into the new collective bargaining agreement between the NBA Players Association and the NBA itself. And there were people that were saying, okay, it, what's going to stop uh, 
Kawhi Leonard, as you mentioned, from checking in the game, tip off, and uh, Ty Lue goes, time out. All right. <laughs> yeah, there might need to be another clause written in there that you have to play X amount of minutes as sure. well. And that, that, was the, that was actually the, the counterpoint some people made. Why make it about games? It should be a set number of minutes in a season because that's going to indicate more of, okay, this guy actually played. Like That is true. Yeah, they, they may need to rethink that. They really may need to rethink that because, yeah, I bet we do see some of some of that go oh. on. You're never going to get rid of it completely. They, trust me, they find the next thing they can. Right, ex- yeah, that they can, like, cheat cheat the system <laughs> with. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I, I don't anticipate it, like, ever being perfect because, as you mentioned, we're children of the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s of the NBA when it was a point of pride to be out there. Uh John Stockton is the number 27 games in his 18-year career that he missed, and 14 of those were for a knee meniscus surgery that he had at one point. Like, dude did not miss games. Yeah. It was a point of pride during that era. Now, this is a different era of the NBA. Totally different I get that. And I just, there's part of me that's like, okay, get out there and play, but they've got a lot of money and they have a lot of power that they can wield. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, that... I mean that's ultimately what happens though when when people yield a lot of money there there's a price to be paid for that like cause now they have they have control and say over and that's not entirely a bad thing sure uh, but when it when it tips the scales to that level and that degree it's maybe a problem it does so uh, interesting stuff all the same excited for it uh, by the way the Jazz have announced that they have uh, plans they're going to have that new streaming app up and running in time for the season as well uh, you can get all games over the air KJazz 14 they're going home to the, st- the channel it was built for come on when your name KJazz come yeah. on let's yeah you got you got to have some jazz games on KJazz <laughs> and that, that they're going to they're going to carry all of them that's the fun part about this so uh, i got to give mad props to Ryan Smith and Smith Entertainment Group because for them to do that they're going to take a hit financially on that Michelle like they they, they could have signed another media uh, another i guess broadcast deal with a with a regional sports network or something like that like they have had for millions of dollars they decided, you know what, we'll bite the bullet on that end, and we're going to get this exposed to all Jazz fans. Yeah. In theory, all three, or we at 3.5 million residents of the state of Utah now, something around that number. Yeah, something like that. In theory, all people in the state of Utah should be able to watch the Utah Jazz this season, either over the air or via this streaming app. And that that's going to go a long way, I think, to building more, I guess, goodwill. Right. We'll see. It'll be interesting. I'm also interested to see how this Jazz team responds because last year they were pretty plucky. Like they 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 played well and they did shut it down towards the end of the year to try and secure draft positioning that type of stuff. This is the year I think where you start. Okay, what pieces do we actually have? Mm-hmm. Like you brought in John Collins from Atlanta. You already have Lowry Markkinen who was an All Star. You have some of these young bucks. Uh, by the way, Bryce uh, uh, Sensabaugh as well as Keontae George were both cleared to resume on-court activities this week for the Jazz, which is positive news. Keontae George was like the star of the summer league. Right, until until he got hurt. Injured his ankle, yeah. and they, they're like, okay, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was he was single-handedly looking like he was going to lift the Jazz to a summer league title. And a summer league title is what whatever, but he was balling out. Well, I, but I mean that—that's what you want to see, right? That's why you draft these yes. young guys, yeah. and and so to see him producing so early and so dominantly, like you have to feel good about that. If you're if you're in the Jazz front office and you made that choice, yeah. Well, yeah. Every every draft pick is is obviously it's a it's a high stakes wager because you're you're betting on a potential of a guy. And Candy George very much looked the part. The nice part is it looks like yeah there will be no restrictions on him in particular uh, going into training camp, and he in theory should be able to kind of go out there and do his thing. And this is a season to see. Okay, where do all these pieces fit, and mm-hmm. what where are you still deficient? And it's it's a roster building process the Jazz are going through, but they it feels like this season could be go a long way towards fast tracking it or really exposing. Okay, maybe we thought we were better than we were at that. Right. So interesting times, but looking forward to it. Uh, Eighty two games to come and fifty uh, fiftieth year of the Utah Jazz as a franchise. Wow. If you have not been listening to Jake and Ben, by the way, they've been doing this. Uh, they're doing the top fifty jazz players in history. Uh, they've done the first three, and the first three were uh, let's see, 
Uh, number 50 was Rodney Hood. Number 49 was Ricky Rubio. And then number 48 has, uh, excuse me, for, number 48 was Bobby Hansen. And they got number 47 yesterday. Nice connection to say to Utah, Nate Williams. Uh, obviously, Natalie Williams played high school basketball here, went on to mm-hmm. do incredible things in her own career. But Nate Williams is a member of the Jazz. So some fun names. Blast from the past. Let's just put it that definitely, way. Definitely. Definitely. Like, so, <laughs> all right. Good time. So make sure you tune in. That's 1130 every single day on Jake and Ben when they announce a new member of the Jazz 50. So top 50 players. All right. We will take a timeout. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, we'll get to technical fouls coming up at 11 o'clock. Scott Gerard is going to join us from Utah State and their scrimmage up there. More to come. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show. As you heard, it is time now for technical fouls. All right. Uh, I'm going to have Christian start off because this one's like the most timely of the bunch. Uh, so, Christian, go ahead and fire away. We're going to go with Jimmy Graham today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was arrested last night, I believe, in Los Angeles Correct. because they're getting ready to play the Chargers mm-hmm. for a preseason game. He's uh, with the New Orleans Saints now. Yes, Jimmy yeah. Graham is back with the Saints. At one point, looked like he could be one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Uh, considerably slowed down the last couple of seasons. He was actually out of football for a whole year, I think. Anyways, he now he's back with the Saints, second stint. Looked like he was going to revitalize his career. Uh, but he was arrested for... I think he wandering in the streets, and they assumed he was under some sort of substance. Um, and then he resisted arrest yes, as well. So, so. And this just came out literally just seconds ago from Adam Schefter from ESPN saying, uh, this comes from the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints tight end Jimmy Graham experienced a medical episode last evening, which resulted in him becoming disoriented. He was taken into custody by local authorities and transported to a local hospital for evaluation by what Dr. John Amos believes to be a likely seizure. Wow. I've, okay, I don't proclaim to be a medical expert, but seizures don't have you wandering aimlessly around the streets and then resisting arrest from officers as they're trying to take you into custody. But Not okay. that I'm aware. So, yeah, you know, interesting, but we'll see. Um, interesting situation all the way around. Interested to see where it ultimately goes because you're right. It felt like uh, at one point uh, Jimmy Graham was on his way to being one of the all-timers, and he's still very, he was a very, very good tight end. All right, Michelle, where are we going? Okay, so I was going to do something else, but I just found this, and you know what? Why not? Like, let's jump on to making fun of Colorado. Well, I was going to say, this is one I was going to bring up if you didn't. Oh, okay, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Coach Deion Sanders was apparently very upset about a fight that took place in camp, Uh but it wasn't because the players fought, it's because they didn't fight. (laughs) Yeah, yep. Um. Yeah, I like like I get it. I get you want like a little chippiness in, in your guys, mm-hmm. but like I don't know that you really want them getting involved in the kind of fist fight that it looked like that was. Like that that was a bit much. There were offensive linemen getting into it. It was a running back that got thrown to the ground or something like that, if I recall correctly. But oh my goodness! The quote he used is, "I seen two of you walking off over there, and you've got a teammate fighting." Sanders groused, "Where are they at? Where do they do? Where, where they do that? Where they do that at? Not here." As players replied, "If one fights, we all fight. You understand that? I don't want to see you all walking off when somebody else is fighting. Never." again okay like it's, I, I mean coach coach like uh that that's how you have guys thrown out of a game bingo we had yogi roth on with dj and pk yesterday asked this about this easy. so is he's saying that he wants his entire team thrown out together <laughs> you know what forfeits all around <laughs> let's go it's, i just yeah uh look ag- again like you, you want you, you want them to be tough guys for mm-hmm. sure like like you abs- but like you want them to be smart tough guys mm-hmm. and that's always something that i remember from my soccer days too my my coach always would say you know if you didn't agree with like a foul or or something sure like be angry about it but like be angry in a smart way that you get back and and like you score a goal or you get the steal or you, you know like not not something that's going to get you fouled again or thrown out of the game mm-hmm. or like use the anger to motivate you in a smart way not not a dumb way channel it positively yes, yes. and th- this is not no I, see and i I can see where Sanders is coming from. He's trying to keep his team engaged and obviously build team camaraderie. But when it comes to like actual fist fights, 
Yeah, I, I don't know trust that me, you encourage. That. I was I saw a fist fight at BYU football practice earlier this fall. Well, and I've seen I've seen a fight or two up at Utah's camp back Co- in the day. Coaches don't want they, they don't want full on punches being thrown. No, first off, throwing a punch at a helmet is just beyond stupid. <laughs> But they they don't want they like the pushing and shoving they like the guys jawing at each other but when it turns yeah when it starts like getting serious like no that's where you got to be able to stop because and Kalani so the day we were there it was media observation I know Kalani in his head is like <sighs> great I got to talk about this but he comes <laughs> up he's like here's the thing we got to be smarter about that we be able, we got to be able to train our guys that you, you want to push to that level mm-hmm. but there's a line you mm-hmm. don't cross and throwing a punch that's crossing that line. Mm-hmm. So that gets you again. It gets you thrown out of a game. Exactly. It hurts your team. Yeah. It hurts your teammates. Like I can see where Dion's coming from, but this one was probably not that hill to 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 plant that flag on. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I I think I think you ultimately cause more problems than you solve no. uh, with the stance that he took on that. Um. One quick one, real quick. Uh, I got to give a technical foul to James Harden. I don't know if you've seen his saw, media, the media that. rounds he's making this week. He was in China and saying, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization he's a part of. Let me say it again. Daryl Morey, who is the Philadelphia 76ers GM and uh, I think VP of player personnel, who's like his boss, is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization he's part of. He's trying to force his way out of Philadelphia. Then he did like an exclusive with some radio station in Houston. Of all places, saying that this is not the way to do this, James. He's he's lost his damn mind. Oh. Can can I say that? Is that okay to say? <laughs> like, it's just, he's, he's just out of his mind. Well, okay, and then of course, you know who weighed in on this, right? Oh no, Kyrie Irving, because Kyrie's got to have his say. Pot meat kettle. So he responded to a tweet uh, on X, aka for, uh, Twitter, uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski saying, Is he really disgruntled, Adrian, or is he holding Daryl Morey accountable for his dishonesty and lack of transparency throughout the contract, contract negotiation process this summer? Harden's been looking for a long term contract. It's like, Oh, Lord. Uh, okay, guys, you know. <laughs> uh, Fun times. You know, the NBA may not bring the drama on the court anymore uh, but they certainly bring it off of it let's a, go with that it's a so uh, mark science <laughs> has a hashtag this league it is a soap opera there's no doubt about it and you have guys like james harden here and kyrie irving they can't help but add to it oh no no right. so it's good uh, that was good that was a good list of technical fouls i thought it was a fun one all right we will come back on the other side we're gonna go up to logan and check in at utah state scott gerard uh, up there obviously with utah state scrimmaging this morning Check in with him next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.